0: Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Jesus in the Gospel of Luke and was preached on March 26, 2023. So regardless of how you're feeling, what's going on in your mind, anything that's happening today, just as you are right now, God loves you. God cares for you very, very deeply. We have been in the Gospel of Luke for quite some time, and my purpose has been pretty simple. I want to teach you who Jesus is, and I want to teach you what Jesus wants from us. And there's no greater story in the Bible than the one we're looking at to teach those things, the story of Zacchaeus. Do you guys know that story? Did you grow up in children's Sunday school like me? And you know the song? How many of you know the song I'm talking about? Raise your hands. You know this song? How many of you want to sing it? How many of you don't want to sing it? Oh, that was close, but we're gonna sing it. We're gonna sing it. Okay. For those of you that don't know the song, you just didn't grow up in a Southern Baptist Sunday School, probably. and, and, and I did, and I couldn't study it. I even told Don this week, man, that song just keeps going through my mind all week long. Okay? You guys want to sing it? We've got some Sunday school teachers out here. If you know it, jump in. If, if not, just kind of listen in or just kind of put your hand over your face and say, Pastor Jack, I can't think, believe you're doing this in church. Okay. Because <laughs> it's kind of strangely worded, but it goes like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man And a wee little man was he He climbed up in a sycamore tree For the Lord he wanted to see And as the Savior passed him by looked up in the tree And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down For I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today, that's one of the things you learn in children's Sunday school. I will tell you this, though, that the story is much more powerful than the song. So let me kind of set the stage here. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in Jericho. That was a big and important job for the main road crossed the Jordan River near Jericho and then went into Jerusalem. So this was a major job right there on the main road. Because of that, Zacchaeus was a hated man. He was hated, number one, because he was collecting money primarily for the Roman government. And so Jews would see him as a traitor And he grew rich by overcharging and keeping the excess. And so he was hated by all people because of his job, because of the way he did it, and because who he was working for. But he had still heard about Jesus, and he wanted to at least be able to see Jesus. But because he was a short man, he couldn't see over the crowds. And probably because he was a hated man, they wouldn't let him through. And so the story is that, that uh, Zacchaeus ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a sycamore fig tree. This is a picture, by the way, of a sycamore fig tree in the city of Jericho that locals will tell you is a descendant of the one that Jesus himself climbed now anything in Israel they're going to tell you all kinds of stories about it because they want to take your picture and make five bucks off of it um, but it is in the right place this particular sycamore fig tree is right on the main road from Jericho to Jerusalem so somewhere in this area a tree may be like this one Zacchaeus climbed in order to see Jesus Let's kind of read the story. It's in Luke 19, 1 through 10, the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And do not think, yes, you may stand as we read, do not think of it as a children's Sunday school lesson. This is a powerful story of a man who was deeply changed by Jesus. And here's how it reads. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, And to save the lost. You may be seated. And by the way, that last verse, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost is probably the key verse, the theme verse in the book of Luke. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He is a rescuer, a savior, a liberator, an emancipator. We too often think of him as kind of the the standard bearer of the moral, the righteous, and the godly. But Jesus acted differently, and he talked differently, and he lived in such a way that it was clear that Jesus came to the immoral, the unrighteous, the ungodly, and he saved them, and he changed them. So what does this passage teach us about Jesus? Jesus. And then, what does it teach us about us? I want you to understand both of those things. So, what does it teach us about Jesus? First of all, that Jesus is a friend to sinners. Now, that was the complaint made against him. We can't believe this. Jesus went to the house of a sinner. To them, it was a put-down. To Jesus, he accepted this as a compliment. I want you to notice that it was Jesus... Not Zacchaeus, who initiated the friendship. Come down out of that tree, Zacchaeus. I'm going to stay at your house today. It was not an accidental meeting. This was Jesus very purposely, a holy man, willing to go and befriend and stay and share a meal and maybe even spend the night, in the home of an unholy man. It shocked the Jews because they believed in separateness. Don't mix with them. Have nothing to do with them. Stay as far away from them as you possibly can. But Jesus purposely bridged that gap. The holiest of all holies purposely befriended sinners. Jesus is a friend to sinners. And I want you to remember, because Luke, in just kind of telling the simple story of Jesus, pointed out time after time after time in which Jesus befriended different types of who the Jews would consider deep, deep sinners. He befriended a demonically controlled man who was strong enough and powerful enough and scary enough that he could snap chains, Samaritans, prostitutes, lepers in homeless camps, working men, and now the richest of the rich. If Jesus were alive today, he may go one day perhaps to a drug-infested downtown homeless camp and to the home of a wealthy man in Paradise Valley the next day who had made his money by fraud. He purposely crossed all lines because he cared about people, all people, and he became a friend to sinners. He went there not just to preach to them, but he cared about them. He loved them. He befriended them, and I want you to understand that because we often see Jesus as a religious man, and religious people only hang out with religious people. Jesus crossed that gap very purposely. Jesus is, even today, a friend to sinners. Number two, you also see in this passage that Jesus is a giver of salvation. Now, be sure you understand this truth. I'm going to say some good things in a minute about Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus did not earn his salvation. Jesus gave it to him. Today, salvation has come to this house. This man, though you Jews, don't even want to admit he's one of you. He is a believer. He is a son of Abraham. He has salvation. You can call it grace, mercy, compassion, love. It's all of those things. Salvation is a free gift of God, and He gives it willingly to all who believe in Him. Now listen, we need to get this right. Salvation is a gift. It is given to us. We don't earn it because if salvation is something that we believe we can earn, we will become arrogant and look down on others who have not earned it. Miss the point and we will never understand the gospel, nor will we ever love sinners like Jesus did. If we think I earned the salvation, then I am better than any of you that didn't earn it. But if it was a gift to me, just like it's a gift to you, we're all sinners saved by the grace and love and mercy and compassion as a free gift from Jesus, then and only then do we really understand the gospel. If we are saved, if we are believers, if we are going to heaven, it is because Jesus gave us the gift of salvation. We did not earn it. Jesus is a giver of salvation. A man applies for a job. He's interviewed. The boss says, look, here's how the job works. You're gonna work 40 hours, I'm gonna pay you $25 an hour, that's $1,000 a week. You want the job? Yes, I do. You've got it. Start tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Another man comes in and apologizes uh, and, and applies for the job. The man says, I don't have any more jobs. Here's $1,000 anyway. The first man earned a paycheck, the second man received a gift. Our salvation is like the second man and if we begin to think that we earned it we've distorted the reality of God and sinners we can't earn it I try really hard to be a good man I'm not not as good as I want to be not as good as I should be nothing like Jesus I can't earn it I have salvation Because when I believe that Jesus was real, God gave it to me. Jesus is a giver of salvation. And though we will see good things about Zacchaeus, he did not earn it. And we need to understand that. If you want salvation you believe in Jesus, he's more than willing to give it to you. And to do some of the things in your life like he did in Zacchaeus. Jesus is a giver of salvation. And number three, Jesus is a seeker of the lost. The key word there is seeker. Now, we've already seen that Jesus befriends sinners. But it's more than that. He actively seeks the lost, the hurting, (coughs) the confused, the immoral, the addicted, the stubborn, the unbelieving. Jesus spent his ministry going from town to town, to village, to city, to Galilee, to Samaria, to Jerusalem, to desert areas where the the lepers and the demoniacs were. He purposely seeks out the lost. Did you read the story this week in the news of the five boys who crawled into a New York City storm sewer and were lost? Powerful story, scary story. They were 10 and 11 years old. They found a a storm sewer entrance in which the grid over it had kind of come down, and they pulled it down some more, and they crawled in, and they thought it was great for a while until they got lost. One of the boys hurt his leg and got stuck in a narrow opening. They panicked and went and ran for help, but they went in the wrong direction. And were totally and completely lost they came to an intersection of pipes and thankfully one of the boys who had been using his phone as a flashlight suddenly realized that there he had a signal and so he called 911 and he asked for help And, and the operator asked where are you And you could hear the embarrassment in his voice when he said, yeah, well, we're like, yeah, we're lost in the sewer. Dozens of firefighters responded, opening manholes, finding where they left their backpacks. And finally, with the operator saying, yell, scream, make noise, They opened a a manhole and were able to hear the boys over a quarter mile in a maze of pipes. And ultimately, all five were saved. They asked for help. And the firefighters were actively seeking the lost. Listen, Jesus seeks the lost. The problem is that we're often too stubborn Or embarrassed or disbelieving to ask for help. Jesus is a friend of sinners and he actively seeks people who need help. Don't be too embarrassed to say, I've made a mess of things. Don't be too unbelieving to say, nobody can help me. Don't think it's weird to call upon God. Millions and millions and millions of people have done so and have received help. Jesus is actively seeking anybody who will say, I've blown it. I've made a mess. I need your help. Jesus is a seeker of the lost. And you don't need a cell phone. And you don't need coverage. He's everywhere. And he already knows you, he already loves you, he's already interested in your life, he's seeking you, calling out to you, just waiting for you to say, Jesus, I need help. He is a friend to sinners, he is a giver of salvation, he is a seeker of the lost. So listen, if you're struggling today, you've done stupid things, you have issues, you have challenges, you have problems. That's all of us. Jesus is there, willing to befriend, seek us, and save us. Jesus is a friend to sinners, a giver of salvation, a seeker of the lost. So, So that's who Jesus is. What does Jesus want from us? Obviously, Jesus was pleased with Zacchaeus, so let's see what Zacchaeus did that pleased Jesus and that will tell us what Jesus wants from us the first thing that Jesus wants from us is at least a little bit of spiritual curiosity Zacchaeus was one of the richest men in Jericho and he wanted to see Jesus but because he was short he couldn't see over the crowd and since he was hated no one would let him through. So so this is how I picture it. I mean, I wasn't there and I don't know Zacchaeus, but I, I, I kind of picture a rich man in a fancy toga, kind of huffing and puffing, trying to get in front of the crowd, and then climbing a tree just to see Jesus. Everybody is talking about Jesus. I need to see him for myself. Never mind what people think about me. They already hate me anyway. It doesn't matter. I want to see Jesus. Do you have that level of spiritual curiosity? How bad do you want to know? Would you run down the street? Would you climb a tree? Would you read the New Testament? Would you go to a class? Jesus honors those who want to know. He answers those who asks the big questions of life. He gives wisdom to those who seek it. He even honors doubters who take their doubts to him. God, I don't understand. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure of anything. I I want help. How deep is your spiritual curiosity? Because what happens to the, the, the average person today is we get so deep, Into just the the mundane matters of life. I got to go to work. I got to pay the bills. I want to have some fun. I got to do this. I got to. That we stop asking the big questions. Jesus wants spiritual curiosity. I don't think Zacchaeus expected to talk to Jesus, certainly didn't expect that Jesus would come to his home. He learned those things about Jesus. But at least he had a curiosity. I need to know. I want to see myself. Jesus wants spiritual curiosity. Number two, he wants repentance. Now, the word doesn't appear in the passage, but you can see the change in Zacchaeus's actions. He admitted that he cheated people. He promises to do more than make it right. He suddenly became a generous man. His response is a beautiful picture of, of the life change that comes when a man repents and Jesus gives salvation. That's what Jesus does to people who believe in him. He he doesn't just save them and give them a spot in heaven. He begins to change who they are from the inside, and it's real and long-lasting. By the way, do you know what happened historically to Zacchaeus after this story? Now, I'm going to tell you this, I, I can't prove it. We can't. Bible scholars can't. But according to both history and Christian um, legend, Zacchaeus became the pastor in Caesarea after the resurrection. This is not just a, a one-time great story. This is a story of life change. Rich, care only about myself, cheat anybody to make more. And now I'm giving away half. I'm paying back anybody four times what I've cheated, and I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus wants repentance, and he's willing to do the hard work in our lives if we'll let him. Number three, Jesus wants restitution. Zacchaeus did it with a, a flourish. I'm going to pay back anybody I've cheated four times. If I've overtaxed this man for 10 bucks, I'm going to give him 40. If I've overtaxed that man for 100 bucks, I'm going to give him 400. That's restitution. He decided not just am I going to live right from today, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to do whatever I can to heal the hurts that I've caused previously. That's part of repentance and is part of the life of a true believer. I usually challenge you from this point forward, make a commitment to Jesus. But I'm also saying from this point forward, if you can, go back and fix anything you've done wrong, go back and apologize to anybody you've hurt, go back to repay anybody you've cheated. And that's part of what believers do. If we've cheated someone, we go back and make it right and then some. If we've hurt someone, we go back and apologize and we help them. If we've held a grudge, we forgive. If we've stolen, we return it with interest. If we've lied to someone or about someone, we go back and we tell the truth. That's the character that Jesus brings to those who believe. We make a commitment to the future. From this point forward, I will honor and live with integrity and character and honesty. But I will also go back and do what I can to heal those I've hurt. That's the restitution we see in Zacchaeus. That's making it right. And that's part of what convinced Jesus that his repentance was real. And the fourth thing Jesus wants from us is generosity. Think of what a huge statement this is. Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. That's not 10% of income. That's 50% of everything I have accumulated in my entire life. I'm going to give it to the poor. Now, I'm not telling you you're commanded to give at that level, but we are commanded to be generous to help the poor to give to those who have a need, to feed the hungry, to house the homeless, and not just on a church level, but on a personal level. It's something that we've kind of lost in the modern world. We kind of expect the government's job to help people. No, it's our job to help people. As generous followers and believers of Jesus Christ, it's our job. Now, how do you know if you're generous? Say yes, because I'm going to do it anyway. Do I have your permission to step on your toes? Oh, boy, you're really excited about that. Fortunately, you don't have to file tax returns. Most of the rest of us do. It's tax season. You want to know if you're generous? Pull out your tax return before you file it or after if you've already filed it. Did you give 10% to God? And then beyond that, where you're deeply generous enough to help others? Now, you may not have tracked it, but is that who you are? By the way, I do that every year. I want to make sure, you know, that I've tithed on all my income and that I've given to food ministries and benevolence fund and missions and homeless ministries beyond that. That's one way you can know if you're generous kind just like personal accountability. This is my income. This is how much I helped. By the way, I do that to politicians too, by the way. And I am always, always, always disappointed. I mean, the usual things I look at, you make 10 times more than I do, probably 100 times if you add up all the stuff the lobbyist has given to you, and you gave less than I did. Generosity. How do you know? Do, do you... Do you tip servers generously? Are you working in a ministry that helps the poor, the homeless, the hungry, the needy? Can friends, family, and even strangers count on you to be generous with your time and with your cash? I mean, it's, it's, it's one way to say I'm generous. We need to kind of evaluate ourselves. Am I really generous? We live in what I believe is the greatest country in the world. We should not allow people on the streets to go hungry, to be homeless, to have nowhere to turn. Now, I know some of it's their own fault. But hey, most of my own problems are my own fault too. What a person does who follows Jesus, we help people. Generosity is a base characteristic So listen, I've told you and given you a lot of things to think about today. Here are three practical steps that I'm going to close with that I want you to think about and put into practice. Number one, I want you to seek answers to the big questions of life. There's more to life than sports, games, movies, working, TV, Don't just wander through life. Seek out the answers to the big questions. Where do we come from? Is there a God? If so, what does he want from me? Who is Jesus? Why am I here? Am I just an accident of biology or is there some purpose for my life? How do we solve the big problems of America and the world What is our future? I'm just kinda challenging you to think through the big questions of life. Think, study, learn, ask God, talk to others. Seek answers to the big questions of life. Number two, apologize and make amends and go big like Zacchaeus did. I'm gonna pay him back four times. Don't just move forward. If you've created a wake of destruction in your past, go back and do what you can to heal it. That's part of what Zacchaeus did. I've cheated. I'm going to fix it. Now, I know there's some things we've done that we can't. We can't change them. There's nothing we can do in some cases. But when we can, we do. And I challenge you to do those things. And then number three... Just make it part of who you are. Be generous to the poor. Americans, citizens of other countries, a part of who we are is we care deeply enough about people that we help. If not, we're not at all like Jesus because that's what he spent his ministry doing, caring for the poor, the hurting, the lepers, the demonics, the prostitutes, the sinners, even the rich sinners. He cared deeply about all people. And I'm just challenging you to put that into practice with how you live. So what do we know about Jesus? He's a friend to sinners. He gives salvation. He's a seeker of the lost. That's who Jesus is. What does he want from us? Spiritual curiosity, repentance, restitution, and generosity those things won't earn you salvation but it'll show the world that you are a follower of Jesus so today listen I want you to understand Jesus cares deeply about you he wants to befriend you he's seeking you out and he wants you to call upon him and he's willing to give salvation And if you've already received it, then like Zacchaeus, he's challenging you to live like it. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net. And you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.